Okay, so I'm pretty excited for this one. Marijuana went from being this drug that was considered to be one of the holy health of all you know drugs and substances to over time gradually being accepted as a drug that really doesn't harm you in almost any way. And it's actually been proven to be benef- uh, beneficial for you. Now, personally, I'm not a smoker of weed. But I'll be the first one to tell you that the benefits outweigh the negatives by a, a fucking landslide and a half. As a matter of fact, as you'll hear throughout this episode, marijuana is used for so many different reasons and beneficial ones. Now, I'm going to be covering the history of marijuana along with the incredible awesome benefits as well as the possible negative effects that might come with consuming it and a, a little bit of, you know, the politics behind it. So... In case you didn't know, marijuana's had a long history of use by humans, but I'll just kind of sum it up. Initially, it wasn't actually used to get high. It was used as a herbal medicine, likely starting in around 500 BC in Asia. Now, the history behind the use of cannabis in the Western world started with the earliest colonists who actually grew hemp, which is cannabis, for the purpose of developing rope and textiles. The only political and, like, you know, racial factors started to come in about the 19th, 20th century, so we'll get to that a little later. So, getting back to the history, cannabis, or the hemp plant, originated in Central Asia before the plant was introduced even in, you know, Africa, Europe, and then eventually, you know, the, uh, the Americas, the West after. As a matter of fact, hemp fiber was used to make clothing, paper, sails, and even ropes. So, its seeds, believe it or not, were actually used as food. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And because it's such a fast-growing plant that's super easy to cultivate and has many, many uses, hemp was widely grown throughout colonial America and at Spanish missions in the Southwest. And so in the early 1600s, the Virginia, Massachusetts, and Connecticut colonies required farmers to actually grow hemp by the boatload. Now, here's the thing. These particular hemp plants that were being grown actually had very, very low levels of, uh, I think it's called tetrahydroclanabinol, which is what THC stands for, which is the chemical that, as I'm sure many of you know, gives marijuana its mind-altering effects. But what's also pretty cool is that evidence has shown that ancient cultures were actually aware of the drug's psychoactive property. So ancient cultures knew what this was all about thousands of years ago. And it's possible that these ancient cultures cultivated hemp or cannabis plants that purposely contained like a fuck ton of THC for use in religious ceremonies or even for healing practices. So to further back up this evidence, it's actually been proven that burned cannabis seeds have been found in the graves of shamans in Syria and China from as early as 500 BC. Now, let's take a look at the history of the medical side of marijuana in a more recent time frame. So in the 1830s, Sir William Brooke O'Shaughnessy, I think that was his name, was an Irish doctor studying in India who discovered that cannabis extracts could actually help lower stomach pain and vomiting in people suffering from cholera. Not only that, but by the late 1800s, cannabis extracts were sold in pharmacies and were even sold in doctor's offices throughout Europe, mainly to treat stomach problems and other ailments and things like that. Now, a little time after that, scientists then discovered that THC was the source of marijuana's uh, medicinal properties. 
Now, because THC is the psychoactive compound that's entirely responsible for, uh, the, like, you know, the mind-altering effects that marijuana gives you, it also interacts with areas of the brain that are able to literally decrease nausea and promote hunger, which is pretty cool. And believe it or not, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration in America, has now approved two drugs with THC that are prescribed in pill form. And I think it's Marinol and Syndros, I believe. And those drugs are used to treat uh, nausea caused by cancer, chemotherapy, and loss of appetite in uh, people who have AIDS, sadly. Now, with respects to it being consumed recreationally, an ancient Greek historian named Herodotus described the Scythians. I think they're called, they were called the Scythians. They were a group of Iranian uh, nomads in Central Asia. He described them as inhaling the smoke from cannabis seeds and flowers in order to get high. And then something called hashish which is a more purified form of cannabis that's smoked with a pipe, was used very widely throughout the Middle East and parts of Asia around the year 800 AD. There was actually a direct correlation between the rise of its popularity being concurrent with the rise of the Islam religion. So the Islamic religion rose at the same time that weed started to get more and more popular. And believe it or not, the Quran which uh, is their Bible, forbade the use of alcohol and other substances, but not weed which is pretty neat. And then if we fast forward back to the 1900s again, we'll find that marijuana wasn't exactly used for recreational purposes in, you know, the, in the Western world until the early 1900s. And it took so long for Americans to discover the recreational side of it. And go figure, they've been, they were growing it for years before that. But it was the Mexicans who, the, who were the ones that introduced it to them, like the recreational part, uh, during the years of the Mexican Revolution. Now, during the Great Depression, which was, I'm sure, a very terrible time, civil unrest actually caused the Americans to go against and resent Mexican immigrants. And because marijuana was introduced to Americans by the Mexicans, the Americans feared something they called evil weed, which is hilariously stupid. But, you know, at the time, I guess, whatever. And not only that, but during the Prohibition era, where, you know... um, alcohol was illegal. 29 states had also outlawed cannabis and weed by the year 1931, which pretty much fell in line with the concept of, you know, banning alcohol along with all other illegal substances that was pretty much known. Then if we fast forward six years later into the year 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act was the first federal U.S. law to criminalize marijuana across the states. The act actually imposed an excise tax on the sale or the, uh, the possession or transfer of all hemp products, which essentially criminalized every aspect of it except for the industrial use of it. But then a quick little stint happened where the U.S. government encouraged the growth of hemp on their own land during World War II because the Philippines were taken over by Japanese forces, and so the Philippines were by far the biggest source of imported hemp. So if we fast, uh, so, you know, the United States was pretty much saying we got to grow our own shit now, right? Now, if we look and fast forward to the year 1970, Richard Nixon signed into law the listing of marijuana as a Schedule One drug right next to LSD, heroin, and ecstasy. And eventually cocaine would be added to that later on, which is insane. It was identified as a gateway drug too. Although even, 
to the like to that that's that's very debatable i mean the fact that it's a gateway drug i I personally believe that's bullshit because if kids or people want to experiment with drugs other than marijuana they'll do it regardless if they smoked weed or not that that's just my opinion then in 1972 a couple years after that the schaefer commission conducted a study stating that from their findings in their studies there was a major misunderstanding of marijuana and there should be like far lower penalties for people who were caught with small amounts of it compared to what they were actually like, you know, dishing out to people. So President Nixon and other government officials completely ignored the report. They were like, fuck this. They're not listening to it. Then nothing changed until 1996. So we're getting closer to our time now where the Compassionate Use Act was signed in California where marijuana became legal to use strictly for medicinal purposes specifically for people who had, you know, severe or chronic pains and illnesses and problems. And then 29 other states, including Washington, D.C., and uh, the U.S. territories of Guam and uh, Puerto Rico also allowed the use of cannabis for limited medical purposes. Now, as of June 2019 last year, so very, you know, very recently, 12 states have legalized the use of marijuana for recreational purposes. Washington, D.C. actually being one of them. Now, here's the iffy thing. Cannabis is still illegal under the United States federal law, and the evolving, I guess if you want to call it, the legal status of marijuana is still something that's kind of controversial all over the world. But the way I see it is that if it's been used for thousands of years, and suddenly in the last you know 100 years it's been outlawed and then used and outlawed again then used again, I mean, it's not dangerous. That whole thing is bullshit. I mean, I think if we outlaw it or make it illegal, it's a big mistake. I mean, I've yet to see the people that it's killed. It's like, you know, I, I've gone into debates with friends about this who are against it. It's like, show me the body. Show me the people it's killed. I don't think it's killed one person. It might, I think someone might have died from an overuse of it, possibly, but I, I can't even back that up and say for sure. Um, but honestly, I mean, like alcohol is by far by far way more damaging than any study of marijuana has ever found to be, right? So that's pretty much the history of it. If we look at the benefits, there are a shit, a shit ton of them. So I'm just going to cover what I believe to be the most like prominent and the most interesting ones, and this is not in any order. First off, assuming you avoid the munchies, it can actually help you lose weight because weed has been proven to be linked to helping your body regulate insulin, while managing caloric intake efficiently. It's also been shown to actually improve lung capacity, unlike cigarettes. And it's also been linked to stabilizing blood sugars, uh, lower blood pressure, and improve even blood circulation, which in turn translates to a, a lower risk of diabetes. And on top of all that, it's been proven to help fight many types of cancer, not all of them, but a good bunch, as well as help treat autism too. It also helps with depression and seizures and even uh, epilepsy, but that hasn't been fully proven, but they're getting there. It's even been known to help with alcoholism, uh, bowel diseases, uh, you know, stomach problems, PTSD, arthritis, Alzheimer's disease, glaucoma, uh, ADHD, and ADD, and on and on and on. But those are just, you know, the most prevalent ones. The more we study it, though, the more benefits we're finding, which also explains why people have been using it for so long, I imagine. So let's take a look, before I finish this off, at the negatives. 
So here's the thing. There isn't exactly any concrete proven evidence that has shown to impact somebody negatively. I mean, assuming that, you know, that one guy didn't die or whatever. But again, that's just, that's overuse. If you overuse anything, you, you're going to get, you're fucked. Now, we also have to look at it perspectively. So it's not really encouraged amongst young people and kids to smoke just because it may have some effects on the development of the frontal lobe of the brain, which is why a lot of people don't encourage, you know, kids under the age of, you know, 20. And now this isn't exactly a medical condition, but some people who smoke it tend to get anxiety from it depending on what strain or, you know, brand of weed uh, they smoke and whatnot. And now there hasn't actually been any evidence to show that it's addicting in the traditional sense of the word. I mean, it could be addicting in the sense that people have the urge to feel hooked on the feeling of euphoria that it gives, but I mean, from a chemical and biological standpoint, there is no evidence to show that it allows people to get addicted the same way that alcohol does, like not even close, not even remotely close. Uh, it's also possible that people can have hallucinations and, uh, and loss of coordination when smoking it and whatnot, but that hasn't been entirely proven either. Now, I'd also like to say that I'm not marginalizing the potential negative effects just because I don't mind the use and the legalization of it, I'm trying to be as least biased as I can, but no matter how much research you do, and I encourage everyone to do their own research, you won't really find any proven medical side effects that would constitute marijuana to suddenly become illegal again or anything that could, you know, connect it directly to something dangerous with human health. Like, it, it, you won't find it. And if you do, it's probably some right-wing website trying to spread some crap. I mean, again, there are certain cases where it's, it's most definitely not encouraged. Like, you know, again, it's all in contextual. It's all in context. You know, pregnant women probably shouldn't be smoking it because of the potential side effects uh, it could leave on their unborn child. But that doesn't mean that it should be looked at any differently. That, that can't exactly be a standard medical problem with it. You know, that, that's very circumstantial. Um, but, again, a, a pregnant woman drinking alcohol is definitely worse than a pregnant woman smoking weed. I mean, if you really had to choose between the two, I wouldn't recommend either, but if you had to weigh the two out, smoking weed will do less damage to a pregnant woman internally than drinking alcohol would. But again, I, I wouldn't encourage either one. So I hope I've given you some kind of, you know, thought-provoking education with respects to marijuana. I wish I could give more surrounding, you know, the controversy behind it or the negative effects of it, but there really aren't much or any for that matter, to be honest. And that's been the case for the longest time now. So unless something truly radical and crazy happens where all of the work done to make it legalized and accepted amongst society is completely reversed then all I can really say is that I hope you get used to the idea of it being more and more common as time goes on because I can tell you now it, cer it certainly isn't going away anytime soon and it's not going to be destroying society like people predicted it would.